0: Uh, turn with me this morning to First Samuel chapter twenty. First Samuel chapter twenty. We're dispensing with our studies in Philippians just for this morning. First <coughs> Samuel 1 Samuel chapter 20 Let's hear the word of the Lord We'll commence our reading at the verse 1 And David fled from Naoth in Ramah And came and said before Jonathan What have I done? What is mine iniquity? And what is my sin before thy father, that he seeketh my life? And he said unto him, God forbid, thou shalt not die. Behold, my father will do nothing, either great or small, but that he will show it me. And why should my father hide this thing from me? It is not so. And David swore moreover and said, Thy father certainly knoweth that I have found grace in thine eyes. And he saith, Let not Jonathan know this, lest he be grieved. But truly as the Lord liveth, and as thy soul liveth, there is but a step between me and death. Then said Jonathan unto David, Whatsoever thy soul desireth, I will even do it for thee. David said unto Jonathan, Behold, tomorrow is the new moon, and I should not fail to sit with the king at meat. But let me go, that I may hide myself in the field, even unto the third day at even. If thy father at all missed me, then say, David earnestly asked leave of me, that he might run to Bethlehem his city, for there is a yearly sacrifice there for all the family. If he... Say thus, it is well Thy servant shall have peace But if he be wroth Then he, then be sure that evil is determined by him Therefore thou shalt deal kindly with thy servant For thou hast brought thy servant into a covenant of the Lord with thee Notwithstanding if there be in me iniquity Slay me thyself For why shouldest thou bring me to thy father And Jonathan said, Far be it from thee, for if I knew certainly that evil were determined by my father to come upon thee, then would not I tell it thee? Then said David to Jonathan, Who shall tell me, or what if thy father answereth thee roughly? And Jonathan said unto David, Come, let us go out into the field. And they went out, both of them, into the field. And Jonathan said unto David, O Lord God of Israel, when I have sounded my father about tomorrow in a time or the third day, and behold, if there be good toward David, and I then send not unto thee, and show it thee, the Lord do so, and much more to Jonathan. But if it please my father to do thee evil, then I will show it thee, and send thee away that thou mayest go in peace And the Lord be with thee as he hath been with my father And thou shalt not only while yet I live Show me kindness of the Lord that I die not But also thou shalt not cut off any kindness from my house forever No, not when the Lord hath cut off the enemies of David Every one from the face of the earth So Jonathan made a covenant with the house of David, saying, Let the Lord even require it at the hands of David's enemies. And Jonathan caused David to swear again, because he loved him. For he loved him as he loved his own soul. Then Jonathan said to David, Tomorrow is the new moon, and thou shalt be missed, because thy seat will be empty. And when thou hast stayed three days, then thou shalt go down quickly. And come to the place where thou didst hide thyself When the busyness was at hand And shall remain by the stone Ezel And I will shoot three arrows on the side thereof As though I shot at a mark And behold I will send the lad saying Go find out the arrows And if I expressly say unto the lad Behold the arrows are on this side of thee Take them Then come now for there is peace to thee and no hurt is the Lord living. But if I say thus unto the young man, behold, the arrows are beyond thee, go thy way, for the Lord hath sent thee away. And as touching the matter which thou and I have spoken of, behold, the Lord be between thee and thee forever. Amen. We know the Lord will stamp with his own approval and blessing this reading of the Holy Scriptures. Now, my text this morning is taken from the latter part of 1 Samuel chapter 20 and the verse 18. And it reads, And thou shalt be missed, because thy seat will be empty. And thou shalt be missed, because thy seat will be empty. And I want to speak to you this morning on a sermon that I've entitled, Lessons from the empty seats. <clears throat> These words were first spoken by Jonathan, King Saul's son, to David. Both men were having a heart to heart in a field outside the city where the king dwelt. Pending was a new moon feast. And David was expected to take his place and sit at the king's table and eat of the king's meat. This caused a big dilemma for David because he knew that his life was in danger at the hands of Saul. He knew that Saul was out to murder him and should he take his place at the table, he felt that What was in front of him was certain death. In fact he tells Jonathan in part of the conversation there is but a step between me and death. Together in conversation David and Jonathan agrees that he stays away from the feast until the third day. And he says to Jonathan if Saul misses me and asks about me, then you tell him that he asked leave of me to go to a family gathering in Bethlehem. And if he's at peace with that, if he's okay, if he doesn't lose his temper and gets mad and bangs the table, then you'll know that it's well with me and my soul. But if he gets mad and really upset, and is wroth at the news, then you will know that my life is in great peril and in great danger. In that field, David and Jonathan further reiterated a covenant that they had made one with another, not only to look after each other and have each other's back, but to look after each other's family if one of them is put to death. And it was in that context and in that conversation that these words were spoken by Jonathan and thou shalt be missed because thy seat will be empty. Now these words have been in my heart and mind for several months I think back to a conversation that I had with Olive's brother Roy Simple sitting at a big fry in Blethers on the Craigie Road. And in conversation with Roy, thinking about the passing of Sister Olive and her home call to heaven, he said to me, live as if to be missed. And I said, what was that, Roy? And he says, I'm just thinking of a text of Scripture that says in the Bible, and thou shalt be missed because thy seats will be empty. And of course the moment he reiterated the text, I knew where it was, it was in 1 Samuel 20, and uh, we looked it up together, and I said to him, Roy, that's the makings of a sermon. And that text has been in my mind from then until now. And I want to, this morning, at the close of this year, preach on learning lessons from the empty seats. I want you to think this morning, firstly, with me, of empty seats in a family context. Let's think of life in general. The only certainty in life is its uncertainty. There's only two things that are really certain as far as life is concerned, and that is the paying of taxes and death itself. Isn't there a temporal nature to life in general? There's a day and a time when we're born and we all have a birthday and we can celebrate that. And then after birth there's the growing up through the years of childhood into adolescence and to a teenager and then into twenties and thirties and forties and fifties. And we live out our lives and all of us have a station in life. All of us have a, a place in life. And at the end of that, one day, in whatever circumstances the Lord has decreed, we are taken from the scene of time. Let's remember that in the context of these words, and thou shalt be missed because thy seat will be empty. David is facing the prospect of certain and pending death. He's already said there is but a step between me and death. We could add into the thought there, Hebrews 9 and 27, and it is appointed unto men once to die, and after this, the judgment. All of us from the moment we're born, there's an unceasing defence of that life in the face of death. Because death could come at any moment. And as we live out our lives, we face this reality, and it's this. Nothing stays the same. Everything changes. We are changing. Life is transient. Life is uncertain And as I've said and I repeat The only certainty in life Is the paying of tax And the approach of death And when we think about that In the context of families We're well aware that there are Empty seats In many homes if I could take you to the home of Jacob, remember him and his 12 sons. You think of an old father sitting at a table and there's 12 places there and there's one place that's empty. And if you'd ask Jacob who's the empty seat for, he would say Joseph. Because remember he presumed at that time that Joseph was dead. And for many years that old man was in mourning. Joseph was taken into Egypt when he was 17. And he came out of the pit or out of the prison when he was 30. And it was after that, then when the famine came, that Jacob was to see Joseph alive again. <coughs> so so really for the best part we could say of Almost 20 odd years, that old man was in mourning and grieving the death of a son. Ten boys sat around the table with a deep dark secret in their heart. And I can picture almost in my mind the tears on the cheeks of an old man. He's thinking about the the tragic death of one of his beloved sons. Let me bring you to another home. And this is the home of David. Whenever he is king. And after the death of one of his sons called Absalom. And remember despite Absalom's rebellion. David loved him. And I have no doubt that he grieved over him. And there was another empty seat. Come to Luke 15. You've got the prodigal son. The one who left home with the share of his father's inheritance. The, the, the father, remember, had seen him come into the world. The, the, the father helped him as he grew up. The, the father no doubt loved him. The, the father gave him his share when he requested it. And there was years in that home when there was an empty chair. Years in that home of an aching heart. Years of a a, a silent tear. An absence of a boy who was cherished, adored and loved. You see, life brings changes to a family because life is transient. All is constantly changing and death brings changes into a family. Christmas time, we have enjoyed having family together. I was thinking about empty seats, thinking about children born into a family growing up, becoming educated and moving away and of course we're well aware that university can take them away take them across the water and when it does for a son or daughter it leaves a big vacancy in a home marriage of course can take them away when the son or daughter is no longer at the family home the family becomes different And of course, they're making their own family as a unit. Relocation can take a son or daughter away. They can go to a new land. The home of mum and dad, of course, is not the same. Also, sickness can take away a loved one. We think of loved ones in hospital and their seats around the table or their seats at home are empty. Sin can take them away. You think of families that have fallouts. When there's a division in the family and a family split, then sides are taken. There's opposition. So-and-so's not welcome. So-and-so can't come to your home because it offends so-and-so. And then add into that mix death itself. You think of the baby chairs that are empty. Dark providence has come to a home and a baby just born into the world either for a few minutes, a few hours, a few weeks or a few months is taken out into eternity. You think of the ordinary chairs of son and daughters that are empty today when death has come and brought terrible tragedy in his wake. You think of the killing of a father or a mother, the the 40 years troubles in Northern Ireland the many that were murdered you think of those in old age this morning the rocking chair is empty why? because decay or maybe disease and death has come and taken away a loved one one day your seat and mine will be empty. There'll be empty seats in our homes. There's empty seats in our homes already. And the question of question that burns in my heart is this. Will you and I, will I have lived so as to be missed? Think of what David said. And thou shalt be missed. Why? Because thy seat shall be empty. There's empty seats in a family context. And we're well aware of that. And we live with the reality of that. And all the pain and the sorrow and the tears and the heartaches that those empty seats bring in the context of the family. And I'm thinking of grieving mothers. I'm thinking of broken-hearted fathers. I'm thinking of distraught brothers and sisters who miss the physical presence of their kith and kin. I want you to think secondly and equally importantly of empty seats in a congregational context. I'm thinking of empty seats In the house of worship. I want you to think with me of church attendance. In the past 30 or 40 years in Northern Ireland. Church attendance very sadly and regrettably has been in decline. We could certainly say well it's not what it once was. And that ought to be a cause for concern. That ought to be something to lament over as a church. Something to grieve over. Something that we should pray about. And if we think of empty seats in a congregational context, then we as Christians, we should be praying over the empty seats and we should be doing all that we can to see that the seats are filled up with individuals, whether it's family members, whether it's friends, or whether it's strangers. In the land of England, it is reported Statistically, that something like 2 or 3% of the entire population attend an Anglican or Evangelical church. And of course I'm saying this morning that this is something that Northern Ireland needs to be aware of and needs to be careful about in regard its attendance at the house of God. Let me... Go back to the past. In the history of Northern Ireland, there was a time when Dr. R.A. Turry, the famous evangelist from the United States of America, came to visit Belfast. And he had with him the song leader, W.J. Chapman. And after they left Belfast, they wrote a report. And this report is recorded for us in the life of Charles Alexander. And they spoke of the welcome that they got in Belfast. Very warm and loving. They spoke of the blessing of God and souls getting saved by their hundreds. They also spoke of the attendance. Do you know that there was no King's Hall when Tory came? No waterfront building? No, no Odyssey building either. They met for worship in St. George's Market, down at the markets in Belfast. It was not a good building acoustically. But it was the best, of course, that the organisers could do. That building held 7,500 people. And I want you to imagine a particular, say it's a Sunday night, I'm not sure if it was a Sunday night, it may have been a weeknight, but the meeting was to start at 7.45. And by 6.30, there are 7,500 people packed into that building. And how we know the time in the life of Charles Alexander, there's a picture there of the crowd with the clock in the St. George's Market clearly seen, bearing the time, trusting it was working, of course, that it was 6.30. And I thought of that an hour and a quarter before the meeting, not one empty seat. You can reflect back to times in the Martyrs Memorial, whenever the late founder of our denomination, Dr. Ian Paisley, was the minister there, and the crowds that were flocking to the Martyrs Memorial building. And long before 6.30, every seat was (laughs) occupied. I was thinking, what if there was a prize... For attendance, isn't there a prize for school at attendance? Some of my own children have got prizes for attendance. Seven years attendance at the car school. Fourteen year attendance at the car school and their um, secondary school. We give out prizes for attendance to Sunday school children for their attendance at church and the League of Church loyalty. But what if there was a prize for adults? Attending church on a Sunday. 52 weeks in the year. Morning and evening service. What are we supposed to say. We'll we'll, we'll take a few Sundays off for holidays. We'll say 48. If health permits. So you've got 48 Sundays morning and evening. Let's say a record is being kept. And out of that. And from that record. A prize is going to be awarded. Now keep that thought in mind because remember God is keeping a record. God has got an attendance card with your name on it. And Sunday evening, Sunday morning, and he is the judge. And he will give the reward. Well done good and faithful servant, enter thou in to the joy of thy Lord. I was also thinking of what attracts crowds in Belfast today. The pop concert, young people willing to pay anything from £30 to £100 to get in a football event. I I know those that pay an annual season subscription of £1,000 to a football club or a rugby club. As believers, we need to think about, we need to be concerned about, and we certainly need to pray about church attendance. Let me say this. Jonathan said to David, And thou shalt be missed, because thy seat will be empty. Now I want you to remember, this is a seat in the king's house. This is a seat at the king's table. This is a seat to do with the king's meat. And if we lift it up into the spiritual realm, then this, even though it's a schoolhouse, this is the king's house. This is a place appointed for divine worship. And we get asked the question, how often and why has our seats at times been empty? You see, when you're not here, especially on a Sunday night, I want to tell you, you are missed. We miss your presence. We miss your participation in the services. We miss your support. We miss your influence. And that's true on a Sunday morning. It's true on a Sunday evening. It's true in the the, the prayer meeting. I, I think of those real godly prayer warriors that the Lord has taken home from this church Those who were the backbone of the church since I've come 19 years ago. I I think of those who are absent now from the Lord's table. And I want to press home this morning. What's our reasons for the empty seats? Let me suggest this morning. One reason is because there's an absence of heart in it. How many now are no longer attending the house of God because they've no stomach for it? They simply don't want to come. Now there are times of course genuinely when you can't be here. If you're a mother with a new baby. If you're looking after a sick relative at home. If you've got an emergency in the farm or the factory. If you're called away in business or if you're on holidays. That's all necessary and that's all perfectly understandable and i believe the lord of course allows for that but but i'm thinking this morning of an individual whose heart is not in the work who is not her heart is not a 100% for the lord and there's a, a sheer neglect a, a blatant disregard a, 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 a we someone we could say was a persistent non-attender and we get ask them, well what's your reason for not coming? You're missed, your seat is empty. And here's the answer, I've lost the desire. My heart isn't in it. Another reason could be just merely out of habit. And of course some people get into the habit of not coming. And One week rolls into the next week and into the next week. And of course bad habits can be hard to break. Another reason could be, well, someone would say, well, I prefer to spend time with my friends. Someone has called unexpectedly, uh, and uh, therefore I can't come. And we would have to say, well, is that really a genuine excuse? Have you ever considered bringing your friends with you? to saying to them, well, look, it's Sunday night. We, We go to church, but you're welcome to come and join us and we can have tea or supper afterwards. I think of President Eisenhower, whenever he was in the Oval Office in the United States of America, one occasion he had a visitation from the Russian President, I I believe it was Khrushchev, and President Eisenhower invited the Russian President to attend church with him at the Gettysburg Presbyterian Charts. Now, Khrushchev refused. Now, remember, he's there to see the President of the United States of America. It's now Sunday. And what does the President do? He decides his wife, his children, and them as a family, they're going to worship God on the Lord's Day. I believe he set a great example. And I believe in the power of a great example. And of course, let's never underestimate the power of an example. And if mothers and fathers take the lead and set the example, then we trust the children will follow. What about the excuse of worldly pursuits and practices? How many say, "But, but I'm too busy for God. I've got things to do, I've worked hard six days in the week. Well, I would say if you're too busy, you're too busy for God. You've forgotten that God is your creator and maker forgotten that God is your sustain, sustainer forgotten that in him you move and live in a of being remember Matthew chapter 6 and 33 seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these other things shall be given unto you what about sin itself Hebrews ten twenty-five says forsaking not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is The manner of some is. See, even in Paul's day, there were those who lost heart in the work of God and those that got into the habit of staying away from the house of God and spending time with family members and friends and and got involved in worldly pursuits and other things. Think of Demas having loved this present world and it was really sin at the bottom of it because it's the Lord's will. Remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Forsake not the assembling of yourselves together as the manner of some is. And if you're not here, then I want to say this morning, then, and I say it respectfully, you're out of the will of God. Now I'm speaking to the able-bodied. And I'm speaking to those who are fit to be here. And I'm speaking to those whose circumstances permit I'm not thinking about a mother with a baby. I'm not thinking of looking after a sick relative. I'm not, not thinking about the emergency situation. I'm not saying that is sin. But what I am saying is you can be out of the will of God in the Lord's day. And your seat can be empty and missed because of sin. We send our children to school to learn. We want them to grow in knowledge. We want them to be educated. And we we would have to say, well, if the child doesn't attend school, then they're the poorer for it. They'll they'll not do well. They'll not get ahead. They, They lose out in the field of learning and education. Now, what is true literally in the field of education is true in a spiritual sense. Because for those whose seats are empty and who are missed, They're they're the loser in the sense that that, that their own spiritual well-being is affected. There's no increase in the grace and increase in the knowledge of God. They will not grow in righteousness and not grow in godliness. There's those this morning whose seats are empty in this church. Good godly people. Good old fashioned free Presbyterians. Prayer warriors. Faithful attendees. Faithful will come to the morning and evening service. Faithful at the prayer meetings. Faithful at the practice of worship or, or special services. And they're gone. And they're not coming back. And we have got to be aware of empty seats in a congregational context. And I'm saying this morning, we've got to think of these things. One final thing. I want you to think of empty seats in an eternal context. Not only in a family context and a congregational context, but in an eternal context context. Let me say this, there'll be no empty seats in heaven. I believe of course that Jesus Christ will have the preeminence when it comes to the salvation of lost precious souls. And for those for whom Christ has bled and died he will lose none. And all that he has bled and died for he will raise up. And he will bring many He'll bring a multitude of sons to glory out of every tribe and every tongue and every nation. So so in that sense, there'll be no empty seats in heaven. As we sit around the marriage supper of the Lamb, the Lord Jesus won't be looking and saying, well, David was supposed to be there and -and so-and-so was supposed to be there and -and so-and-so was supposed to be there, but their seats are empty because every seat will be occupied. Let me ask you this morning. Will you occupy one of those seats? Have you received Christ as your Lord and Saviour? Have you come to him, either in the distant past or the recent, and said to him, Lord, I'm a sinner. Lord, I need to be saved. Save my precious never so. Remember the publican. God be merciful to me, the sinner. And what did Jesus say? Luke 18. Verse 14, that this man went home justified. Why? Because he acknowledged his sin. He humbled himself before the Lord and he cried out for mercy. And if you have received Christ as Lord and Saviour, then I want to say this to you. Recognize that you need to live a life to the glory of God. I go back to that conversation that I had with Roy Semple and Pleathers in the Craigie Road. And this is what he said. Live so as to be missed. And I got him to repeat it. I said, what was that, Roy? And he says, speaking of Olive Swondo, she lived to be missed. And I knew that was true for many of our saints. Doesn't the Bible tell us that the memory of the just is blessed? Doesn't the Bible tell us over there in the book of Revelation, in Revelation chapter 14 and in the verse uh, 13. Blessed are the dead which die in the Lord from henceforth. Yea, saith the Spirit, that they may rest from their labours and their works to follow them. Many have left a faithful testimony when it comes to the occupying of the seats in the Lord's house. When it come to the prayer meeting, when it comes to the Lord's table, when it comes to special services, they were there. Why? Because they were living their life so as to be missed. And I asked you this morning, if you've received Christ and he's your Lord and Savior, then do you live as to be missed? That's a very poignant question. That's a very powerful question That's something we should take into our mind That's something we should ponder That's something we should consider Because if we're living our life right Having received Christ Then let's live to the glory of God Remember the Catechism tells us Man's chief end is to glorify God And to enjoy him forever Is your life A life that's glorifying to God. May the Lord take these few words and bless them to you this morning.